Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 112 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio, as always, by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the president, the founder of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today? Oh, we're there. Rick? Hi. Right. Oh, oh, hi. hi um, I'm, I'm just, I'm leafing through, sorry, uh, I'm leafing <laughs> through this rather weighty um, pro- program from the 100th Centennial Game, December 4th, 2009, and it's got all kinds of fascinating information. I was on, Wow. I was on the goaltender section. That's oh, a sur- were you? That's, that's a that's... surprise, yeah. I don't find that surprising no. at all. <laughs> no, they go through here, and in 2009, they did a fan survey, a, a month-long fan survey. This is the Montreal Canadiens, and and asked in history, who's the best coach, who's the best general manager, who's the best center, you know, Jean Beliveau, best center, best defenseman, yeah. Larry Robinson, best right winger, uh, Maurice Richard, best left winger, Toe Blake. So, I mean, there's not there's not a lot of surprises in here. Best tough guy, Chris Nyland. Yeah. Uh, best defensive forward, Bob Gainey. Best goaltender. This is this is the fall 2009. Mm-hmm. Patrick Waugh, number yeah. one fa- oh, by fan survey. Number by two, fans. Ken Dryden. Number three, okay. Jacques Plante. Number four, George Vezina. Okay, so all right, that yeah, that, that seems reasonable. Yeah, you know, who number seven is number seven, Carey Price. Really? 2009. 2009. The best goaltender in Canadians history, fan by the fan vote, mm-hmm. Carey Price, number seven. Wow. That's pretty good. For, that is I mean, pretty good. You know? Why am I looking through this? Why am I looking through this as we, we begin the show? Because, because uh, this week is going to be, um, we all know, December 4th. 1909 was the founding date of the Montreal Canadiens, and we're, we're coming, depending on when you're, you're listening to this, you're going to be uh, a few days before December 4th, or, or on December 4th, maybe, the 111th anniversary of the Montreal Canadiens. Wow. And we're going to look back today, a little bit, uh, to the 100th anniversary. Um, that whole 2009, 2010. Remember the the centennial celebrations were a year long, and they culminated with that game, December fourth, uh, um, 2009, 
Um, the Boston Bruins versus the Montreal Canadiens. Epic, epic, epic game um, for the 100th uh, anniversary season. But there was lots of stuff that happened that year. The, yeah. In January 2009, there was the NHL All-Star Game. Um in conjunction with the centennial celebrations, the draft in June was in Montreal. Um, then in December was the the uh, the epic game that we're talking about. Then then there was a bit of a, a playoff run that uh, was infamous in in 2010. So um, there was everything kind of lined up really well. And yeah. fans, this there was a buzz. The city was was crazy and. Um, Maybe not the same, but there seems to be things are kind of lining up for the Montreal Canadiens. They snuck in uh, to the return to play and got into the playoffs with a surprising win against Montreal uh, against Pittsburgh. They, um, you know, there was a, a pretty good draft. There was a great off season, and now there's a buzz and there's enthusiasm, and and so we thought it would be good today just to kind of compare the two. Um, you know, uh, there's been other times in the last decade where you know, there's a little bit of a buzz. Maybe 2014 was one of them, but yeah. um, nothing like what happened in 2009. So to put things into perspective, we thought yeah. uh, a bit of a theme for the show would be to go back there. Yeah, and, and we're going to do that, and we're going to get to our fondest memories of that 2009-2010 season um, at the end of the first segment. In segment two, we have the great pleasure of being joined by Montreal hip-hop artist and huge Montreal Canadiens fan, huge Montreal sports fan, Anakin Slade. And we're wow. going to be getting to that interview in segment number two. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. But Rick, before we get there, we do have, as we often do, a whole lot to get to. And this week... Now, which um, which segment? Yeah. I, I just need to know. I'm 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 notating my my agenda here. Which segment do we talk about your haircut? Uh, the third. The third segment. segment. We'll talk all about right. my haircut. All yeah, right. we'll okay. get we'll get I'm to that, right. and we'll get to your mustache in the third segment <laughs> as well. By the way. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but Rick, before we get there, we have uh, quite a lot to get to this week, and some rather surprising news uh, that emerged this week. Uh, Shane Sherla has left the Canadians organization accepting the role of director of amateur scouting with the Florida Panthers. This is, um, this was a bit surprising. And for some fans uh, may not know who Shane Churler is, uh, former NHL tough guy. And, uh, but he's been a very integral part of uh, the Canadians uh, scouting staff being uh, director of amateur scouting uh, for the past three years. Um, He goes to the Florida Panthers in the same role in, in name, in, in name. Uh, He, he, he took on the director of amateur scouting role. Uh, So it looks like a lateral move, but uh, should get a bit more responsibility as uh, he'll be in charge of that department. Um, he's a little disappointed. He loves, uh, uh, being on the road, being in rinks, uh, and instead he'll be managing the scouting staff there in Florida. And just another one of these, uh, pickups, um, by Florida. We remember that they added Rick Dudley, uh, as a, as a senior advisor, former Canadians, um, advisor to Mark Bergevin, uh, one of the smartest people in hockey, uh, Rick Dudley. Now Shane Churla, uh, done a great job on the amateur scouting side in tandem with uh, Trevor Timmons. 
uh, Blake Jeffreyon uh, has has uh, joined the the Florida Panthers, and you were the one that yeah. that mentioned uh, uh, the the significant moves that Florida is making. And and I guess the interesting thing for me, well, people can say. Oh, Shane Churla went there because he wanted to manage his own staff. Shane Churla went there because he wanted the title. Shane Churla went there because um, he wanted more money or uh, he wanted less, you know, there's always the excuse, less taxes in, in Florida. Yeah. Um, the, and and, and we're, we're hearing some of that. The interesting thing, there was a, a long-form interview done about a year ago uh, in The Athletic of Shane Churla, and I'll read his quote. Um, he says, I'm not in it. That is uh, the management side of the hockey operations side of, of hockey. I'm not in it to pay the light bill. Uh, I'm not in it because of the money. I'm in it because I want to win the Stanley Cup. I went to the finals as a player and that taste is in my mouth and I was on the wrong end of it. So um, he's maybe saying that uh, he thinks he has a better chance to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, with uh, with Florida, and you know, uh, with all of these moves, we also knew that um, uh, over the in the off season, uh, Scott Mellenby was up for for uh, uh, a GM position. Sean Burke was up for a GM position. Yeah, and it's um, you know, it's a double edged sword. On the one hand, you've got all these talented people who are good enough that they're being recruited by by the by other organizations, but. Uh, the opposite side of the coin there is why are these people willing to move away from your organization? Um, we want to present both sides, and 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 that's yep. what we see from this. Yeah, and I mean for Shane Churlow going to the Florida Panthers, and I touched on this a little bit last week, is that you can sometimes forget about the Florida Panthers in the Atlantic Division just because the Tampa Bay Lightning are there and occupy the same state, and of course they're the defending Stanley Cup champions. But the Florida Panthers have quietly over the last number of years raised their profile a little bit here. And I think it's understandable why Shane Churla would like or has left the organization to go to the Florida Panthers with Joel Quenville behind the bench, with all the young pieces in Florida. It, it makes sense. Um, but Rick, moving to another um, another member of the Canadians front office that has left, uh, Larry Carrier the former senior advisor of hockey operations, also leaving the Canadians. And this was said that the Churla news came as a bit of a shock. This one was just, this was nowhere to be found. This was very quiet for the Montreal Canadiens. It, it has been, and, and it, it didn't just happen. Um, his contract was not renewed at the end of, the, of last season after the playoffs. Um, he says uh, uh, in an interview with Pat Hickey, and, and uh, full credit to Pat for, for being on top of this, yeah. um, he said it was by uh, a mutual uh, parting of ways is, is the way uh, Larry uh, described it. Larry is, listen, he's, he's salt of the earth. He's an honest, down-to-earth, good old-fashioned hockey man, tons of experience. Lots of, of hockey knowledge, a tremendous number of uh, connections, uh, and has been a real loyal soldier for the organization. I, I loved sitting in the press box with Larry Carrier. Uh, he knew everyone in hockey, um, sat with him a number of times, uh, pregame meals. Um, terrific, terrific person. 
Um, and and he's done everything. He's done everything with yeah. with money. He was a he was a, a player uh, drafted in the second round by the Sabers uh, back in '72. Uh, but but worked with Buffalo in their in or, their organization. Went to Washington and has been with the Habs for the last ten years in hockey operations. Uh, hired by Pierre Gauthier uh, as a replacement for Julian Brisebois at the time uh, as a, an assistant GM. Um, he got to go behind the bench uh, yeah. when when Jacques Martin was fired. Uh, they brought in Randy Cunningworth. Uh, Randy Cunningworth's assistant was Randy Lattisere. You've got no f- capability to speak <laughs> French there, so they brought yeah. in Larry Carrier, who had never uh, coached, and a uh, good person that he is, he went behind the bench um, and even uh, took some uh, post-game uh, interviews, uh, the only f- French speaker on that that group and and uh he was the interim gm after uh pierre gautier was fired um he was just he and and then when bergevin came in he was uh, uh one of the assistant gms uh with uh, uh rick dudley and scott mellenby and and then uh you know he's done other things he he uh fa- helped facilitate the move from st john's to to laval for the rocket he was briefly the gm of of uh, the Laval Rocket and and got them off to a start and has just been a senior advisor the last year or so and and seemed to be being phased out um, of the organization but uh, tremendous tremendous uh, hockey man and certainly packed a lot into those ten years with the Montreal yeah. Canadiens a lot of different roles were a lot of different hats and uh, yeah wish him all the best certainly going forward uh, Rick moving on to uh, some news. Uh, Philip Deneau was in the headlines this week. He was the recipient of the Jean Beliveau Trophy for the 2019-2020 season for his community involvement. Uh, Shea Weber picked up the award last year, so uh, Deneau picks it up this year. Unfortunately, though, and, and we want to give full credit to Philip Deneau for his community involvement, but given the state of Philip Deneau's contract status, it took a bit of a backseat, him picking up this award <laughs> to the contract talks or lack thereof for Philip Deneau. Well, you knew this was, this was going to come out. Um, uh, once he was congratulated on the award, uh, the rest of the 30 minute odd press conference was about the state of the contract negotiations. Um, and he said, there's, there's, there's basically nothing going on, um, right now. Um, and which we knew, we knew from yeah. from Mark Bergevin that they had made an attempt. Uh, the two sides were way in in opposite directions. Uh, so um, uh, Philip Deneau said, "Listen, my answer is going to be blunt. Um, I want to be honest. Currently, there are no no, no negotiations, and we're at the starting point, basically." Um, and uh, when asked, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? And he said, oh, I'll just leave it in, in uh, my agent's hands. Um, but uh, the, the press went, went further asking him about um, the comments that he had made, which were, after the playoffs, were seen as, as uh, on the selfish side, saying yeah. um, he had no interest in staying with the Canadians if he was going to play a third-line uh, defensive uh, center role, um, and I don't know his his walk back was kind of <laughs> sketchy to say the least. He said, "You know, I I never said that I I had to be the first line center every night. 
Um, so I, I don't know if that makes him sound any more of a, a team player or not. <laughs> um, you know, and he, he said, uh, I, I see my role as, as serving as a mentor for Kotkaniemi and, and Suzuki. And, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that that's the case because they have different a different skill set. Yeah. Um, and I think Deneau's kind of seeing himself as more of an offensive player than than he really is. Uh, listen, he's going to go in the final year. He's going to make $3.1 million in the final year of his contract. Um, if the Canadians can get him signed relatively short term between four and a half and five million, I think that will, that will, then he'll stay with the organization. Um, I think Philip, Philip Deneau is looking for a whole lot more than that though. It would certainly seem that way. And yeah, it's, it's a little bit for me. I mean, you, Philip Deneau talking about a mentorship role for those two guys, Nick Suzuki and Yasperi Kotkaniemi. If the Montreal Canadiens wanted to get a mentor for those two guys, they could go and find one that is, you know, Philip Deneau is only seven years older than those guys, hasn't done a whole lot more than, than those two guys in, in his career to this point. So look, with all due respect to Philip Deneau, there are other guys more qualified to be in a mentorship role for those two guys. And as you said, yeah, a, a bit different play style uh, in terms of what Philip Deneau can do and what Nick Suzuki and Yasperi Kotkaniemi can do. But regardless, uh, yeah, it would seem that it's going to head into the regular season. Whenever that begins, uh, Philip Deneau might not have a contract beyond this year. It certainly seems like it's headed in that direction with uh, both sides not really giving a, giving much away. But uh, Rick, we'll move on to uh, some interesting news regarding uh, the ECHL franchise that might be coming in Trois-Rivières. And Deacon Sports and Entertainment announced the appointment of three senior leaders for the new ECHL franchise in Trois-Rivières. And a couple of names that will be familiar for Montreal Canadiens fans. Who's Deacon Sports and Entertainment? Uh, we talked about this. We've talked about it on the press zone. We've talked about it here. Uh, that's Dean McDonald. Uh, Dean McDonald, a uh, uh, Newfoundland native, uh, owner of the Newfoundland Growlers, the ECHL affiliate of Toronto Maple Leafs, and the the mover and shaker be- behind um, uh, the Trois-Rivières franchise that is will eventually supposedly be linked to the to the Montreal Canadiens and c- full credit to Dean McDonald we remember um, you know he's brought in some some key people and now they've been named officially to uh, uh, the role of of this uh, this new ECHL franchise Mark Waitman president and CEO we know Mark from his work uh, with the Laval Rocket where he was uh, Plas Bell, um, he he ran he president Plas Plas Bell. He's uh, been an executive with the the Montreal Alouette. Um, he's uh, tons and tons of sports uh, experience and and w- was very good to us um, in uh, in granting interviews. He's he's a a, a great uh, piece for them. Um, as VP and as GM, we have Mab, uh, our good old friend Mark Andre yep. Bergeron, uh, and and very popular uh, with the locals in in Trois Rivières. So that's uh, that's a nice ad there. Hugo Bernier for cor- corporate par- partnerships. Those are the three uh, folks that uh, were named this week. Now, speaking of 2010, Mark Andre Bergeron, hey, <laughs> that, <laughs> he's got to right. be in the mix this week. That's right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, some some news there regarding that, and, and certainly all signs point to uh, a franchise potentially heading towards Trois Rivières. So, Rick, 
We'll move on to a prospect report as we've been doing over the last number of weeks. There's been hockey that's been ongoing and some really unfortunate news uh, regarding Team Canada and the World Junior Hockey Championships. Team Canada had to shut down their national junior selection camp in Red Deer uh, Tuesday. Two players tested positive. It led to the postponement of a red and white game that was set to take place and ultimately camp having to be suspended as all involved are considered close contacts of the two positive tests. Yeah, this is, they they will be in quarantine for 14 days. Um, um, Following that, the the players are going to be cut. Um, This is, this is, uh, this is tough. Um, it is. You know, the, as uh, our, our friend Sam Constantino said, um, the, the Red Deer camp is being conducted in a protective environment. That's different than a secure bubble, uh, yeah. which is, is what the, the, uh, World Junior, the 2021 World Junior Championships are supposed to be held in. Um, and so uh, they've had this outbreak. Uh, two players that they've announced um, tested positive, uh, for them, there's likely more cases for them to act like this, the uh, quarantining the whole team. Um, and you know, uh, this is, this is really tough for their chances. Uh, there's been talk about, you know, will this affect the start of, of the world junior championships? Um, will they stick to the dates? Will it be moved back? Um, which is, is uh, you know, they're playing in Edmonton, so uh, that unless they can find everything to Red Deer, uh, they're going to uh, run into the, the Oilers if the NHL gets, uh, and we're going to talk about uh, the NHL, uh, NHLPA return to play in a second, but um, this, is, this is significant news. And, and, I mean, you know, you look around, and, and uh, the NFL is postponing games, postponing games a couple of times. Um, facilities in the NFL are closing Mondays and Tuesdays this week. Uh, masks on the sidelines. Uh, the Q uh, closed down their their maritime uh, uh, division. Um, U.S. college football canceling multiple games every every weekend. We know that 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 on both sides of Arbor and in Europe there are are uh, pretty significant coronavirus spikes, and so it's not a surprise that. Uh, this this has happened, but um, you know it affects. We're talking about Canadians' prospects in this uh, uh, segment. Affects Caden Gooley, um, and yeah. and uh, hopeful for that team, um, and how uh, the the coaching staff can evaluate um, and prepare their team if this goes goes ahead. And and Craig Button pointed out that. You know, there's enough that it takes place in a calendar year for Hockey Canada to come to these conclusions based on prior uh, events in this in the calendar year. So, you know, they might have an idea heading into camp, but it's not always those guys that make the team every year. It's not always the best players that mm-hmm. make the team out of those camps. So a guy like Caden Gooley, who might have been on the bubble, might have been, uh, you know, maybe a guy that's on the team, maybe because we, we heard Andre Turgney, he sounds quite high on Caden Gooley. But nothing is ever guaranteed. So it's difficult for all of these guys heading into this tournament. And, and some guys that may have been on the bubble that might not make it now because of this. And uh, whether or not you know that throws the, the entire tournament into jeopardy might not be the case. But it certainly casts a shadow over the tournament. Um, 
But Rick, moving on, um, the Canadians have ended Jesperi Kotkaniemi's loan to Pori Asad after 10 games. Um, and this was uh, this was also a little bit of a quiet news item mm-hmm. that sort of made its way around social media with uh, not much fanfare, but uh, it makes sense if the Montreal Canadiens think that, you know, a season might be around the corner. You want to get him back in the fold uh, relatively quickly. As we as we record and broadcast, it's November 28th. Um, if we were having a January 1st start date to the yeah. NHL season, uh, there would be a two-week quarantine for Kotkaniemi coming back, then, then perhaps a two-week training camp. So the math works. Um, it was just uh, kind of caught people off guard. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he might have had a slow start to, to his time uh, in, in Europe, but uh, he, he really um, was playing well uh, when it was shut. And it seemed like he was just finally playing very well uh, when this uh, when this was shut down, the loan came to an end. Uh, so a, a yeah. bit of a surprise, but it all makes sense um, if if the the timetable works out. Yeah, and I mean, excuse me. And I mean, when you're looking at Yasperi Kotkaniemi, I think it was the always the idea just to make sure that he was able to keep the form that he had in the playoffs. And we saw that he did have that. It didn't necessarily show on the score sheet early on in the process. But now, as you said, he got on the score sheet. After 10 games, the Montreal Canadiens decide to end it. And if they think that there is going to be that process that they're going to go through, and we'll touch on that with the NHL and NHLPA discussions in a little bit, uh, that is going to be something that you're going to have to be uh, going to have to consider with all of this, the two-week process of quarantining, then the training camp. So we'll see uh, if that comes to pass. But Rick, we touched on some unfortunate news that came out of Tuesday. We'll go with some positive news that came out of Tuesday, and that was Cole Caulfield netting a hat trick against Penn State. Absolutely. The Penn State Nittany Lions, um, 7-3 win for Wisconsin, and Cole Caulfield uh, hat trick uh, ending with an empty netter. Uh, also got a power play goal there. Um, so, again, uh, 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 folks were worried that he wasn't – he was getting assists to start, but uh, yeah. he uh, – wasn't scoring it well. He he turned that around pretty quickly, uh, and now has four goals, four assists in uh, six games. You want to watch Cole Caulfield? Um, he's uh, we're going to get a chance to to see him uh, this weekend. The Wisconsin Badgers play back to back against Arizona State. Uh, Saturday's game um, will be on RDS, and Sunday's game on TSN too. Yeah, so. A little bit of a smart business there by RDS and TSN too. I'll just uh, it, it is. I'll just say yeah. um, uh, don't solely focus on on Cole Caulfield, yeah. although it's hard not to do. Wisconsin Badgers also uh, are home to another prospect. That's Jack Gorniak, uh, yep. and he got his first goal of the season uh, this year too. So uh, uh, don't forget about Gorniak. Yeah, I saw that one on social media as well. Jack Gorniak might be a little bit of a forgotten player for Montreal Canadiens fans, especially because he shares the same team as Cole Caulfield. But, yeah, don't forget about Jack Gorniak. He's got a tremendous name, and he's a pretty good hockey player, too. <laughs> <That's right>. uh, <laughs> so, Rick, uh, more unfortunate news, unfortunately. Um, Northeastern University, the hockey team, is in quarantine, including Habs prospects Jordan Harris and Jaden Struble. Yeah, this is uh, this is tough. It looks like uh, hockey East is going to be 
uh, shut down for a bit. And um, I don't expect to see uh, these two guys playing until the new year. They're they're off now until December 14th, I think, and then uh, practice when they come back. Um, uh, so Northeastern was scheduled to uh, visit Massachusetts uh, at Lowell on Friday. Uh, but that game was uh, was postponed, and and it's just it, it's more of what we've been talking about. Um, unfortunate that the uh, again a couple of Canadians prospects uh, in uh, in Struble and Harris their uh, season is uh, is on pause for now. Yeah, so we'll have to monitor that situation going forward. Uh, another situation that we've been monitoring, and we just touched on it a little bit ago, was the uh, the NHL and NHLPA. Uh, return to play discussions and we touched on this last week and the NHL wanting to return to the table on the uh, CBA agreement that they just came to back in April um, and come with some uh, amendments to that Um, the NHLPA not really enthusiastic about that as we discussed last week but uh, yeah not a whole lot of traction with these talks Discussions have gone completely quiet. Completely um, quiet. Um, nothing, nothing came out this week. Now, Elliot Friedman uh, speculates uh, that there was a little bit too much tension and too much public negotiation the week before. So maybe everybody said, "Okay, come on, let's tamp things down. We can't, we can't have air all of our uh, dirty laundry." Uh, and 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 the disagreement, uh, the 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 primary disagreement is that the players uh, feel that, that they should play under the terms of the, the CBA that was signed in the summer. Now, you know, the other side of that is that kind of ignores the reality is that the situation has changed dramatically since yeah. then. Uh, and that there are some teams, uh, some owners, some teams that uh, would be much better off uh, financially if if uh, if they didn't play, and and that's because it doesn't look like there's going to be fans in, in the building when we well there isn't going to be fans in the building yeah. when uh, when uh, things resume regardless of the jurisdiction. Um, the I I don't know I, I I just don't think that the NHL can be the league that doesn't play. All these other leagues are are struggling and sputtering and and you know have difficulties. The NFL for one. NBA yep. coming up, uh, but you know th- this for me. Uh, this has been the first time that there's been whispers of canceling the whole season, of of not playing the, the whole season. Um, I'm not saying that's what's going to want to go the way it's going to go, but it's the first time there's been this possibility for me. I personally think they're still going to play. I think that at the end of the day, cooler heads are going to prevail. They're going to realize, the players are going to realize that the situation has drastically changed. Um, And, you know, there was the thought back at the very beginning of all of this, there was the thought by, okay, well, things are probably going to be back to normal by November. And that was thrown around by, by experts in the field, that things are probably going to figure themselves out a little bit with this pandemic by the fall. That didn't come to pass, you know, obviously. And so right now the players are in the position of I I can understand they don't want to go back to the table when they just negotiated a deal. But if the NHL is going to play this year, it is going to be contingent on these players heading back to the table and perhaps accepting the salary deferrals that we talked about last week, whether it's, it's not going to be money that they don't get. It's just they're going to be getting it later. So that to me, I think... Um, I think at the end of the day, this is all going to work itself out because the NHL cannot afford to not play if the NBA is playing. 
They just can't. That's right. Um, yeah. But, you know, we're at the end of November. We got to do the math. Uh, yeah. It's, it's going to take two, two weeks for people to quarantine when they come back. Uh, camps will be two weeks. Uh, the NHL yeah. has promised the teams that haven't played since March that they'll have an extra week. An extra week. Um, so um, I don't know if there'll be any exhibition, if there's any uh, reason to have exhibition games. But um, January 1st, I think that date is probably gone. Yeah. Uh, is it going to be mid-January? We, we, we just don't know. But but uh, the time for making a decision is, is uh, getting cu- quite critical, I think. And if the Olympics with NBC as well, that's another, yeah, it's just, there's a lot of things happening at the same time and they're going to have to figure this all out really quickly if there's going to be an NHL season this year. Um, so moving on, because, you know, this is, this is hanging over the NHL like a, like a cloud of negativity. We want some positivity. Where do we go for positivity? Kirk Muller. And Kirk Muller spoke to the media this week. Uh, the associate coach of the Montreal Canadiens, of course, was the interim head coach for the Montreal Canadiens when uh, Claude Julien, unfortunately, suffered a medical emergency in the bubble in Toronto. And uh, he spoke with the media this week. And uh, first off, he touched on the preparation for training camp being similar to the return to play that we've already seen. Yeah, good question. Um, I talked to Claude last week, and uh, he was saying that what we'd like to do is uh, see what happens and evolves in the next uh, week or two as far as any update with the NHL, whether if there's uh, it looks like, you know, there's uh, some solid evidence that will start at a particular time. And then from there, we're going to, uh, you know, get together, you know, possibly during Zoom calls or whatever, uh, similar to what we did prior to going to the uh, bubble in Toronto. Uh, what we, you know, we did as a staff there, I think, you know, as we, we did a lot of zoom calls and did a lot of preparation before the training camp started before we went to Toronto and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do the same thing uh, with the staff uh, this time as well. So he's talking about the preparations that done by the coaching staff prior to the training camp. A couple of things interesting in there. Talk to Claude Julian a week ago. Um, if if this was imminent, if the return was happening, he'd be talking to uh, to Claude Julien every day. Every day. Um, so that's significant. The other thing he said, uh, we'll see what happens. We're waiting for an update from the NHL. Uh, Claude says maybe in a week or two, uh, we'll be able to put together a plan. So again, uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot of urgency there. Those are, you know, we're just gleaning for things could turn on a dime. Um, yeah. But at this stage, uh, there doesn't seem to be any any solid dates, any solid schedule uh, for the coaching staff to deal with. So Claude's like uh, saying to, to the rest of, of um, his associate coach and assistant coaches, just let's hold off um, on the Zoom calls until we know more. Yeah, and if there's one thing that we have learned in 2020, it's that things can change on a dime. Uh, if you don't believe me, just remember back to the Vegas bubble that was supposed mm-hmm. to happen, and then it didn't. And then the Vancouver bubble that was supposed to happen, and then it didn't. So <laughs> there's a lot of things that could change very quickly. So uh, that's that's one piece of information that's very important in all of this. But Mueller touched on the limited information that he has and that the entire league has about what this season's going to look like. And he said what the Canadians will be focusing on. Yeah. I think a big thing would be focusing on ourselves. And I, you know, I, I really like what we did as a staff, as far as, again, uh, looking back before uh, going to Toronto, you know, we really looked at our season, looked at some areas that we wanted to, 
you know, uh, focus on our team, uh, dial in on that time so that when we went uh, to training camp in Montreal, we, we really, you know, worked on our systems and, you know, what we wanted to touch up on. And I think, and I think that's got to be the, the plan again is that uh, let's really identify our team and our personnel and our players and what we want to do so that, you, uh, you know, that's what you have control over. And then if, uh, you know, if we get to that point where the season starts up and it's, uh, hey, this is how it's going to operate, then we, we just have to be willing to adapt and adjust to, you know, whatever uh, gets presented to us and whatever platform. So how do you prepare when you don't know a timeline? <laughs> how do you prepare when you don't even know what division you're going to be in? Um, you know, and he was asked, are, are, you, are, are you going to game plan for uh, specific teams and for being in a maybe all-Canadian division? And, and he said, well, li- listen, we're going to worry about ourselves. And you heard Kirk Muller say when he assumed the head coaching role uh, during the playoffs, he said a similar thing. We're going to focus on what we do. We're going to focus yeah. on on um, managing our strengths and, and the things that we need to improve on because that's what we can control. And then whatever whatever happens, whatever division we're in, whatever schedule we're given, whatever start date is presented to us, we'll adapt. Um, and and that's, a, that's a reasonable uh, approach, I think. Yeah, and Kirk Muller... He does have a great mindset with this stuff, uh, that is for sure. Um, <clears throat> but one other thing that we need to know about all of this heading into this process is that it's going to be a, a pretty big ask of the players with you know this sort of shortened off season with their training regimen. How how far along are they in terms of their training? And Kirk Muller touched on, well, we just saw in the summer that a lot needed to happen very quickly, and the players held up their end of the bargain with a training camp that, that ramped up very, very quickly. It's pretty factual. That's, that was the thing I was most impressed with was, you know, our practice time and then walk in and not only play a game. Or it wasn't an exhibition game. It was like playoff games. So uh, the intensity in Toronto and in, in Edmonton was, was high, and I think the players, because – you know, uh, kudos to them, how they stay in shape and uh, prepare themselves. They they can jump uh, in the big games uh, very quick and very early these days. And I think they showed that in the bubble. That's um, uh, that's that's interesting that that uh, uh, we, we last week we, we heard from the strength and conditioning coach. And, and he said that in the offseason, uh, they like to know the end, end date so that uh, the training can can build to a, a peak uh, and you don't peak too early. Um, Kirk Muller said, uh, yeah, but our, our players are pretty adaptable. They're pretty resilient. And um, uh, because they're in such good uh, shape, good conditioning, uh, they're able to ramp up uh, their level of play you know, very quickly and, and not even, and he's using the reference to, to the summer play, uh, not only for a regular season game, but a playoff game, they got they got yeah. that intensity going. So um, he's not worried about that aspect of it at all. And yeah, that that's, as I said, Kirk Muller has a very positive mindset with all of this. And so it doesn't come as much of a surprise that he is uh, still optimistic and positive uh, with respect to these players as well. But uh, Rick, one other thing that, that Kirk Muller touched on uh, was his mom. And uh, he said that his mom is happy to see him, uh, but would like to see a return to play. You know, I told her the other day, I said, Mom, I'm, I'm around for the first time in 30-something years. And she goes, yeah, but I want the hockey started. So that would be the answer that she'd give me uh, 
under the circumstances. Nice to have you in, in, in Kingston, son. Uh, but I want some hockey. Uh, there's a hockey mum for you. Yeah, and the one thing that I was wondering, uh, did anyone get her more wine after? Yeah, because she, remember yeah. that was the, the that was sign, the story. Yeah, the pandemic yeah. sign, yeah. <laughs> Bring more wine. I guess wine. with Kirk, Kirk being around, he's, he's, he's sought he's after that. After he's going to, yeah, for sure. Making sure that supply is always on, on, on a high. But Rick, we will uh, shift gears a little bit here because Kirk Muller, of course overseeing the power play for the Montreal Canadiens. And, and there's a lot of criticism that gets thrown in Kirk Muller's direction when the power play isn't going well. And uh, he touched on needing to take advantage of having Shea Weber more. Well, I think the biggest thing is that uh, Team Scout, uh, they, they're aware of what Webby uh, offers. Uh, and I think what happened is, quite honestly, is uh, where Webby was being, uh, you know, uh, clearly taken away at times uh, the way teams kill, you know, it opens up other opportunities and, and, you know, we didn't capitalize on the opportunities that present to themselves when teams, you know, over, over cheat on Webby. And that's what we're, we got to uh, take advantage of. Uh, you know, he's, he's obviously uh, very potent with his shot and effective. And uh, you know, there's certain personnel, few guys in the league that you, you gotta be aware of them on the power play, but, if that's the case, it's it's about moving the puck around and creating other opportunities, and that's where we gotta uh, take advantage more of, of those uh, those weaknesses that that develop. The the interesting thing here is, and and we've seen on Twitter, we've seen even with the Montreal media criticizing Shea Weber. Shea Weber should be off the power play. Shea Weber should play as a forward on the power play. Um, all of these things are are. Um, bizarre to me and, and obviously to Kirk Muller and, and Muller is saying, um, you have one of the, the, the handful of guys in the league, uh, who, uh, can, can, is so effective on the power play that other teams game plan for, uh, for them. They strategize to try and neutralize that guy. Um, so if, if, if you have, uh, uh, penalty kills, opposition penalty kills, cheating, uh, to to uh, you know try to neutralize Weber that frees up your 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 down low forwards yeah. and our guys just haven't taken advantage of that uh, it's it's this isn't oh because of Weber uh, not producing this is because our other guys Jonathan Durant haven't been able to <laughs> to um, to uh, uh, take advantage of of these extra opportunities, and he went further uh, went further to uh, when talking about the change in personnel. I think now that we have the personnel. It's just a matter of chemistry and you know who fits well with each other. But I think we could pro- we could definitely put two good power plays together now. Yeah, and, and look, the problem, and you pointed it out, is that. You have Shea Weber out there, and Shea Weber is somebody that everyone around the league knows you have to respect his shot. But what happens when they when they 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 follow him around? They make sure they shut that down. That that one timer is not an option. You need other people to gain the respect of the opposition. And when that happens, it opens up the possibility of Shea Weber one timers again. Because when you right. make good on your opportunities. Teams are going to be like, oh, yeah, we, we should probably pay attention to the other four guys on the ice. So, yeah, and I think that Kirk Muller is right. There is enough personnel now for the Montreal Canadiens to ice competent, good power plays, and hopefully that comes to pass. 
because there certainly is enough talent at this point. Um, but uh, touching on that, more talent. Uh, Kirk Muller has been uh, been a bit of a mentor for Jesperi Kutkiniemi. We remember back to when the captain's night happened, Jesperi Kutkiniemi wearing Kirk Muller's jersey. And, and Kirk Muller is, is often the in-between for these young players and head coach Claude Julian. And uh, he touched on the progress that we've seen from Jesperi Kutkiniemi in, in Europe. The way he's skating uh, with the puck and without, uh, he, he looks stronger and uh, he looks he looks more confident. He looks more confident making plays with the puck. Uh, I think he's kind of saying, hey, this is the player that you guys drafted, you know. And, uh, you know, it's such a hard league. It's so hard for young kids. And that's what's so uh, hard, you know, when they when they walk in and they got high expectations and they realize, wow, this is a, a really hard league I'm playing in. And, and I got to learn how to play it. And especially guys in Europe when they – having played junior hockey over here or, or any type of hockey and learning the North American game as well as the NHL game uh, at a young age, it, it takes adjustments. And I think he's realizing it now, like, yeah, I had to go through a little bit of a curve, but he's really, uh, you know, he showed uh, uh, what he was capable of doing at the, uh, obviously in Toronto. So this is, this is a continuum. Uh, and uh, you heard Mark Bergevin say, um, we, we saw uh, uh, Kakinami take a big step in that return to play, uh, and, and we didn't want to let that momentum go. So, um, you know, they've seen improvements uh, as well. They've seen development uh, in Europe, and um, I'm, I'm sure they can't wait uh, for Kakinami to uh, uh, come back, uh, do his quarantine, get into training camp, and, and start the season. Uh, and at some point uh, be one of the top two centers on the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, and that, that could very well be the reason why we see them end the loan because they want him back in the fold. Nothing slowing him down and uh, getting getting prepared for this season, should there be one, and whatever this season might look like. Uh, but, Rick, we'll move on because at the beginning of the segment, we touched on the 10, year, um, the ten years it's been since... The 2009-2010, that playoff run, all of the things that happened in 2009, the All-Star game, the draft, the Centennial game, all of those things. The Canadians wearing all the sorts of old jerseys that I would have liked to see them bring back for the reverse retro, but I digress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Rick, what when, when we think back to the 2009-2010 season, for me, if I can, if I can bat lead off here on this, um, that was the first time in my life that I had seen the Montreal Canadiens advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. They would do it again four years later, but that was the first time that it happened. And I remember the excitement about that, but I don't remember that run as vividly as the 2014 run, which you might be able to understand. Um, But going back to that, going back to the 2010 playoff run, because I remembered that as being the Mike Camilleri show. 13 goals in 19 games, 19 points in 19 games total. He was, he was incredible. The one thing that I forgot about, and I was watching game six of the series against the Pittsburgh Penguins in preparation for this. The one thing that I forgot was just how good Brian Gianta was in that playoff run. He had 15 points in 19 playoff games. And in game six, Mike Camilleri scored minutes into the action. Brian Gianta and Mike Camilleri scored eight of the team's 11 goals in that Pittsburgh wow. Penguins series to that point, to the very beginning of Game 6. They were incredible. And I remember Brian Gianta more 
for the years that followed 2010, and specifically 2013-2014, when he was 35 years old and was no longer the player he once was, and he only had seven points in 17 games. He was the captain of that team, but I don't think I ever fully appreciated what Brian Gianta brought, especially early on in that 2009-2010 season. And what happened in that series against the Pittsburgh Penguins, it was the Game 6 was in Montreal, then you go to Game 7. And what happens in Game 7 is the Montreal Canadiens open up a four-goal lead, and Bob Cole, after a goal from Travis Moen, provides one of my favorite calls of all time. And that sort of, for me, at that point in time, I don't remember much of that playoff run, but I remember being with my dad watching that game, and Bob Cole said exactly what I was thinking, because in 2009, (laughs) 2010, the Pittsburgh Penguins were the defending Stanley Cup champions. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to beat Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals. Then to beat the defending Cup champions, you just thought in that moment, first off, what is happening? What is going on? Secondly, holy cow, the Montreal Canadiens might win the Stanley Cup. Those were the two things. <laughs> that just jumped in your head, yeah. That jumped in my head. And yeah, and yeah it, it was incredible. And I think that call from Bob Cole encapsulated everything that Montreal Canadiens fans were feeling. Now, this was at the Bell Center. Um, but what is going on with, in, like, and, forget yeah. about uh, messing with a, a great call like that. Uh, it happened to take place in the Bell Center, but... Um, and, and yeah, that was, that was uh, the start of, of just, a um, a, a run that, that is still talked about, uh, today by, by, uh, Habs fans. Um, and again, you know, that, that excitement building, uh, that was, that, that had started throughout the year with all the, the significant events. And, uh, then it was a, a very unexpected, uh, playoff run. Yeah. It, it was not, they, they weren't expected to do that. It was a Cinderella run, and we remember that. And, and Anakin Slade, when we talk to him in the next segment, uh, we will be sure to touch on that Cinderella run because it was something that you will not forget. Uh, but, Rick, what about your memories of the Centennial game? You touched on it with your program at the very beginning of the show. I, I, I still have the tickets in, in the case they came in. I was sitting um, in the Reds uh, behind uh, uh, the Canadiens' goal in first and third period. Uh, it was a game against the Boston Bruins, classic matchup, December 4th, uh, 2009. Um, but it was what happened before the game. The game was great, but it was what happened before the game was just, uh, it was magical. I'll never forget it. Um, and it started with... Um, uh, Eddie Palchuk, uh, Eddie Palchuk, uh, the longtime equipment manager of the Montreal Canadiens in his uh, signature red uh, satin jacket. And he came to the boards with a red bucket and he dumped the pucks onto the ice for warm-ups. And uh, I didn't know. Patrick Waugh was the first um, was the first player. He led the team uh, onto the ice. Um, for warm-ups. And then you had 
Cornwallier and Shutt and Lafleur and Robinson and Brisebois and, and Ganey and Naslin and Turgeon and and um, Richet and and Lapointe, Frank Mahovlich, Pete Mahovlich, uh, Jarvis, Keen, Damfus. I didn't know where to look. I didn't know where to look. <laughs> Um, and behind the bench, uh, Scotty Bowman and Claude Ruel and Jacques Demare. And, and, uh, it was, it, uh, I, I, it, it was amazing. Ken Dryden, um, he stepped onto the ice and he was wearing his glasses, which, which seemed, <laughs> which seemed odd. And, and you thought maybe they were going to take a, you know, a nice little lap or whatever. And, and then, um, people applaud and, but no, um, they, had a warm up, uh, and and uh, Patrick Waugh put on the mask. Um, Ken Dryden put on the mask, and they took shots um, uh, in in the goal. And um, I, I was just I was emotional. And and listen, you and I sometimes sometimes um, we get critical, um, hopefully constructively. Yeah. Um, but listen, I remember those the feeling. I remember the feeling of of. Uh, and so do many of our listeners of winning a Stanley Cup. And I want that for all of our listeners who haven't experienced that. Um, and and that brought that all back and very emotional. And um, it, 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 Ken Dryden, Ken Dryden was uh, the last guy. He didn't want to leave. He didn't want to leave. Uh, the siren went, the old forum siren went, uh, and the, the players left the ice. Um and uh, I remember Larry Robinson. Um, he he reached down and he went to throw a puck up into the uh, to my section. Um, and of course, Larry played in the days when there wasn't netting behind the net. So he yeah. he just lobbed that puck right into the net. And he looked up and he was like, "Oh yeah, there's netting." I, you know, <laughs> it was just kind of a reflex that he was yeah. throwing pucks in. Patrick Y dropped his mask and he started taking shots on on uh, on goal. I mean, it was the whole thing. It was just an absolutely magical night. And then the Canadians, uh, the, the 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 team of that that era, uh, stepped on the ice and did their job with uh, with a win over the Bruins. Um, one of the the most amazing hockey memories uh, I'll ever have. Yeah, and they say that no one does pregame ceremonies quite like the Montreal Canadiens, and you'd expect nothing less on their 100th anniversary than what you saw, and it was great that the Montreal Canadiens, uh, that team of 2009-2010, held up their end of the bargain by beating the Boston Bruins, just to make it just a little bit, just to make it that much more sweeter. <laughs> so, Rick, we're going to take our first break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And when we come back, we're going to have the great opportunity to interview Anakin Slade, and he'll touch on his fondest memories of that same season, 2009-2010. So stick around. We'll be back after a quick break. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. 
Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Whalen19. With me in studio, the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter, and you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Uh, Rick, we have the great pleasure of uh, being joined uh, by one Anakin Slade, hip hop recording artist, lifelong Montreal Canadiens fan. Expos fan. He is a huge Montreal uh, sports fan, uh, as big as they come. And we are uh, we have the great pleasure, as I said, to be joined by him right now. Hey Welcome. guys, how are you? <laughs> yeah, glad How's to have you with us. My pleasure. Good to talk to you again, Rick and uh, Joe. Great to meet you. It's um, we're approaching de- December fourth. That's the, the December fourth, of course. Uh, um, uh, is the founding date of of uh, the Montreal Canadiens, and we're, we'll be approaching the 111th anniversary. And, and in this show, we've been looking back to the centennial year um, in that 2009-2010 stretch. There was, you know, the draft was in Montreal in 2009. Um, we had the uh, change of ownership. We had uh, the centennial game itself, December 4th, Bruins against Canadiens classic matchup. When you think back to that uh, that stretch, what are your memories of that season? Well, you're throwing me back there right now. Just, just uh, man, the, the way things lined up and, and all those things that happened. We, you, you think about the last, like, five to ten years, and you think how lucky we were in that one mm-hmm. little stretch, right, of, like, maybe a year, year and a half. It seemed like there was so much going on. Like you said, that all-star game, I remember so well. I was there, uh, Ovechkin. Uh, you know, where with the Canadian flag on his uh, whatever fisherman's hat or whatever he had, it was a, that was a lot of fun. And and yeah, the draft and uh, the, the game where Camilleri I think scored a, a hat trick in the this the special hundredth uh, anniversary game or whatever. Um, yeah, it was it was such a such a vibe. You know, uh, I just remember I was living downtown and and just the the, the feeling of of walking outside. Uh, in spring, especially when we were in the playoffs and just the, you, it was a real palpable like energy in the air, you know, and, and, and it coinciding with the coming of spring and the sun coming out and being able to wear lighter jackets and being able to wear your Jersey when you walk to the bell center and stuff like that. Like those are things that are, those feelings are just seared into my brain. Um, And, you know, I, I, in my, in my lifetime, I mean, I was, 
you know, I was a teenager in, in 1993, but uh, in terms of being able to be an adult and, and being kind of directly connected to this whole thing and being able to experience that, I mean, that's one of the highlights of my career as a musician, for sure. Well, and one of the reasons it was uh, a highlight is um, as we we finished that year, 2009 into 2010, the Canadians had a bit of a playoff run, and uh, you ended up being a big part of that, um, uh, th- that feeling, that buzz, that vibe in, in the city. Um, you That was the introduction of, of Feels Like 93, um, and it just captured all of uh, Habs fans' land. I believe that it's meant to be, and it is a little like 93, with hands we hold it high and raise number 25 to the sky. Uh, I know, you know, it's been a while since I listened to it. I went back and listened to it this week. It, it still gives me chills. You know, it's, uh, well, you know, we're using the word feelings. And, and of course, that that's really what this is all about, right? And, and it's, it's how the song just came to my head. It's, you know, that energy that we're describing. Um, it just threw me back to the energy that you have when you... You know, when you're when you're when you just feel the momentum of a team, and you and and you just feel the energy in the air, and, and the fan reaction, and and the way the press is covering it, and all those things combined, it just gives this feeling of you know, it, it, it's real it's real joy. You know, when things are going right. Of course, we know it goes up and down because you lose one game, you feel like it's the end of the world, and then you know you win another one, and you're you're on top of the mountain. So, you know, to 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 take that feeling and put it into a song and call feels like 93. It just, it just worked out. And a lot of these things are really about timing and they're really about, um, you know, everything just coming together at the right time. Kind of like how a team, you know, it's got to happen in the same way athletically for a team, you know, things just got to just come together at the right time, you know, with that team, you know, it, it just happened that, that, that down the stretch, they, they managed to put it all together and, uh, you know, the, the timing of Halak just going off and being unbeatable, all those things just happened. And, you know, the fact that I had that song ready just at the right time, just, you know, uh, I wouldn't have been able to do it without the team. Obviously, if they got eliminated in the first round, that would be the end of the song. But <laughs> the fact that I got to take I got to get three rounds of it was uh, what really helped, you know, the song gain all this momentum and make it go viral, essentially. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just so perfect. And Anakin, if I can, I want to ask you because, uh, my introduction to your work came from, uh, when you were, uh, a part of the extended cut of 24 CH in 2014. And there's some parallels between 2010 and 2014 in terms of the hope and optimism that existed and surrounded during that playoff run. Um, but what did it mean to you? Because obviously we know with Feels Like 93, with Rock the Sweater, with Remember in tribute to the to the Montreal Expos, there's expressions of your Montreal sports fandom there. And what did it mean to you to be a part of 24CH, a show that connects the fans to the team like that? Well, you know, it was really... Yeah, obviously, the, the parallels between 2010 and 2014 are, are so uh, apparent. I mean... Um, they were both kind of a very similar ride for me in the sense that, you know, both the songs, Rock the Sweater and Feels Like 93, went, you know, they both went viral and, and they both, again, back to that timing thing, both yeah. uh, both teams managed to go deep. Um, and that, of course, 
elevates the songs and elevates the, 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 the viralness of the whole thing. Um, but the difference between 2014 and 2010 is that 2014, the Canadians embraced the song, which, which they, I can't say they did in 2010. I, I, yeah. I, I don't think it's any, nobody's fault or anything like that. Like I don't, I didn't expect it at all. Um, but I think in 2014, once I put out Rock the Sweater, they realized, okay, there's something here that we can, uh, you know, kind of connect ourselves to. Because, um, uh, you know, you do it once and it's a fluke and you do it twice and three times. And then you realize, you know, I, I think they realized I was able to connect with the fans in a way that I think is valuable to them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they ended up involving me in all sorts of things that season and the off season. One was, you know, they played Rock the Sweater before the games during the playoffs. Um they had me perform at the Bell Center during the uh, the Rangers series um, at home or when we were, you know, when they were showing the, the, the games on the big screen. And then they had me participate as the host of the 24CH series, which was a lot of fun. It was uh, yeah. it was sort of, a, you know, it was it was it was interesting because they never they never gave me a script. They just sat me down and they said, uh, here are the things you're going to talk about it. So sum it up, you know, which isn't really the standard for those sorts of things. Usually yeah. <laughs> you have a script or at least a prompter to help you, you know, but uh, you know, they were doing their thing. It's Habs TV. It's not, you know, it's not the Grammys. So uh, <laughs> they were like, you know, just, just give me, just, just give me a couple of lines about this person and that player. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And it was a lot of fun. And, and I was, I'm forever thankful that, that the Canadians, um, you know, embraced the song and really, uh, you know, involved me and they gave me free tickets to some games. It was really, I was really spoiled that year. So the, to me, 2010 and 2014 are both really memorable periods, uh, but but kind of for different reasons. 2014, I felt a little bit more spoiled. 2010, I was more, you know, grassroots kind of like, you know, the fan amongst everybody else, you know. And uh, anyways, they're all great, 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 great memories for me. Well, between 2010 and 2014, we were very blessed in that uh, at that time we were having um, the the watch-along parties, the Habs hockey parties, the Habs tweet-ups uh, at McLean's Pub, your brother Jay behind the bar, and you would drop in uh, for uh, appearances and, and, and fans wanted to meet you and get your autograph and shake your hand, take a picture with you. And, and we were really, uh, we were lucky to, that, uh, that you were joining us uh, uh, back then. Well, that's the other thing that, that results in a lot of these things, especially, um, you know, the Expo stuff and, and, and the Hab stuff is you meet so many people and, and a lot of the people that I've met, you know, that I met at that time, you know, I still am in touch with and I, you know, some of them, I call them, you know, legit friends and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like one of those byproducts that you don't expect when you're, you're, you're doing these things, you know, you like drop a song, you're like, Hey, a fight song, a cool, hopefully the Habs <laughs> will like it. Hopefully it'll get some radio play, but you really don't expect this kind of sensation being on hockey night in Canada. And, and, and just, you know, I had, I had a guy in hockey night in Canada who I met at McLean's also, he was one of the camera guys. He was like, dude, I saw your song. <laughs> Uh, and, and we have to get it on the show. And I was like, okay, do, do what you do. And, and, and legitimately he went through the channels and, you know, Ron McLean had the final say and he was like, sure, let's do it. And just to have Ron McLean be like, uh, you know, here's Anakin Slade. And it was like, it was one of those kind of things you just never, you never thought, I never thought when I was doing that, these songs that it would ever get to that point. And um, you guys at McLean's were just another one of those things, you know, the all Habs crew and, and all the and all those nights before games and 
you know, even, even the season after and, and just meeting everybody, hanging out with everybody, seeing Jay, Jay would love to play <laughs> the video on the screen, you know, yeah. he's like, that's my brother. That's right. <laughs> yeah. No, very proud brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and all those things were like, uh, you know, they, they, when, when you break down all the great possible outcomes to that whole thing, you know, meeting people and being part of this kind of great, you know, one in a million fan base that we have. And, and I think we're so fickle sometimes and we're so, um, you know, uh, testy about the whole every move that's made. Uh, sometimes we don't step back and realize, you know, when you when you go around the world and anybody who knows anything about hockey, you say you're a Habs fan and there's something there. You know, there's a mm-hmm. prestige there that you carry with you. And and sometimes I think we take that for granted. I, I, I'm victim of it, too, you know, and and, and it's cool to, to see it kind of turning around finally. And we're getting back to a little closer to what we had in those days. Well, that pendulum has swung and we talked about on last week's podcast, we talked about uh, the optimism. We talked about Habs fans brimming with confidence and uh, stemming from the way the Canadians performed in the return to play and the little playoff stint that they had. And especially the, you know, the offseason acquisitions of Allen and Edmondson and Toffoli and Anderson. Um, so Habs fans are brimming with confidence. What, what are your expectations for the coming season? It's interesting because, you know, I think, uh, Rick, you know, as a longtime Hab fan like me, you'll, you, you always toyed that idea in your head of like, maybe we should have some bad seasons so that we can rebuild yeah. and, and get to one of these elite teams. Cause that's what it seems like all the elite teams have to do that. They got to go, they got to hit the bottom so that they can pick themselves up. You know, whether it's Pittsburgh, Washington, um, you know, Chicago, all of those teams had terrible years before they ended up winning cups again. Um, and, and we just never did that. You know, it was the it was sort of like dancing on the mediocrity and, um, you know, making the playoffs and having a couple surprise years, but never really being that elite team. And, and I think without really saying that they, they were going to do that, we, we have done that. And, and, and the surprise is, is that we're ahead of schedule. And, and that's, that's kind of what, you know, maybe, maybe we found the middle ground. We didn't have to have too many bad seasons. And, and now we're, we're, you know, we seem to be on the cusp of, of, of having a legit contender. And I mean, look, one thing that they've done better is development. I mean, I think it's clear that, you know, we've had opportunities to get that center. We've had opportunities to get a couple of elite players, but for some reason it just never panned out. And I, you know, you can't really specify who's to blame or, or whatever it is, but development has been lacking. And, and you're looking now at Kotkaniemi and, and Suzuki, and you're seeing how they're being developed. The difference between how their seasons were going and how we saw them in that 10 games that we played in the COVID playoffs, I mean, I mean it's, it's, it was a huge jump. You know, yeah. so yeah. if they can even take a, 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 another marginal jump by the time we get to January, whatever, starting the season – um, you got to think that we're, we're in a nice position to at least make some noise. Um, and, and, you know, the additions in the off season, when was the last time we had an off season where we're like, wow, you know, we made this team a lot better. I think. Holes were filled. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I think I can't even remember the last time, you know, it seemed like every year we were like, well, either we got worse or we stayed the same, you know, and, and, and now we're finally looking at a season where we're, where, where we can see three lines, maybe even four lines that can score. And, and you're, you're seeing the defense kind of shoring up 
especially after that, uh, the surprise, I, I, you know, and people don't talk about this, but really the biggest surprise of the playoffs was the defense. Yeah. You know, I, I yeah. thought, I mean, anybody before those playoffs would be like, man, the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to absolutely expose what a terrible defense this is. And here we are seeing guys like Shero and, 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 um, um, I'm forgetting his name now. Flames guy, the guy who can score. Kulak, <laughs> uh, Kulak, Kulak. 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 Yes, yeah, yeah. and seeing Kulak and, and seeing what he could do. You know, he had a couple of bad games, but uh, there was a couple of games where, wow, uh, he was all yeah. over the ice. So those surprises, I think, are are kind of under the radar right now. And getting Edmondson um, and and you know getting a little more toughness in there. Uh, the power play should be better with Josh Anderson. Um, so it's, it, it, you can't not be optimistic right now. I'm not, I'm not saying we're, we're going to be a contender this year. Um, but it would be nice to get in the playoffs again and maybe win around and, and, and take it from there. And yeah, that seems to be where the head is at for a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans. It seems like they believe that the playoffs are a very real possibility for this team, given the changes that have been made. Anakin, I just want to point out for our listeners, they can find you on Twitter at Anakin Slade and find all your work on the Anakin Slade YouTube channel as well. Um, Rick, I'll pass it over to you because we, we want to know what he's got going on. Well, yeah, and, and you mentioned the the, um, the Anakin Slade uh, YouTube channel. Uh, it's it's for Habs fans, for, for Montreal sports fans, uh, you should head there. Um, I went back there this week um, and uh, was reminded, I was mentioning in uh, before we started recording, uh, that my favorite video that you've done, I love the, the, the Canadian stuff you've done, uh, but the Once More We Survive, it's a great song. The visuals are just absolutely stunning in that. Um, now, I know it's written with a a different focus, but um, as I was saying, um, uh, what we've been through this year in 2020 with the pandemic, uh, next year, 2021, once more we survive sounds like um, the anthem for next year. Uh, but, but as Joe said, what, what have you got in the pipeline? What have you got coming next? Uh, what are you working on? It's funny. Thank you uh, for, for pointing out once more we survive. I actually been thinking recently about remixing it because I think it's, um, it's, it's a really nice song and I get to work with, you know, one of my idols from the Wu-Tang Clan, Inspect the Deck. So, uh, that, that was again, one of my highlights of my career. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have a new record that I'm working on right now. Thank God I've been able to, uh, you know, write and record during this time because, uh, you know, it's been <laughs> not being able to perform, not having a lot of sports, not, uh, not being yeah. able to play sports, uh, a, a lot of those things. I mean, uh, I've, I've avoided the COVID depression by being able to uh, work on my uh, my new record. And, and we're, we're really close now, I, I think probably a month, uh, maybe two months away. And hopefully in the new year, you know, maybe closer to spring, you know, uh, the, the sun will come out, the vaccine will be distributed and uh, I'll have a new album. So um, and of course, a lot of those a lot of the songs on this record are you know, a reflection of the feelings that I've had in the past few months. And, um, you know, it's, and it's not, it's not all doom and gloom and all that, but you know, it's a lot about, you know, surviving and it's a lot about, uh, coming together and, and, uh, you know, t uh, taking the momentum of, 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 you know, kind of healing and, and doing something uh, great with it. So, um, yeah, it's called nothing is written is the name of the album. All right. 
And um, so, uh, which is a quote from Lawrence of Arabia, my favorite movie of all time. Um, and so that's hopefully uh, going to happen in uh, the early spring. So that's what I'm working on full in right now. Well, we'll look out for that. Yeah, certainly. And if the Habs, um, you know, I, I said I'd never do it again because I, I love the trilogy and uh, of, of MTL Stand Up, uh, Feels Like 93 and Rock the Sweater. But, you know, with the, the way how exciting this team is, I, I always tell people, you never know. I may, I may drop know. another one. We'd like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, we'll, if, if you do, we'll have you back again. And, and uh, we thank you. Um, it's been too long since uh, we last talked to you. And, and uh, great having you on the show. We really appreciate it. Well, congrats on the podcast. And of course, any, anytime um, you need a guest, I'm, I'm around because I love talking sports and, and especially the Habs. And perhaps we'll wait for uh, when the Canadians raise 25 to the sky uh, and we'll have you back to discuss that. But Anakin, thank you. As you, you better. You better. If they win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to demand to come on. <laughs> oh, we're, we'll make sure that happens. But thank you, Anakin, once again. Uh, we're going to take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, we'll wrap this up. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 112 of the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. We want to take the time to thank Anakin Slade once again for joining us last segment. What a great segment. interview. And yeah, just a, just a wonderful guy and a great opportunity to hear his thoughts on that season. And it's great to just sit back and take a trip down memory lane as we have done here on this podcast with us sharing our fondest memories with Anakin sharing his 
it's it's just wonderful to do that every now and then. So thank you to Anakin Slade. Yeah, he's uh, obviously a very passionate, knowledgeable Habs fan, talented uh, musical musical artist. And uh, as we said, uh, ch- check out his uh, his social media. Uh, you won't be disappointed there. And and listen, we're going to do this from time to time. We hear from you, our listeners, uh, about your favorite times. Um, and, uh, you know, when there starts to be a little bit of buzz, as there has been in, in this offseason, uh, we think it's good to go back and, and just kind of put things into perspective. Uh, so listen, uh, you're listening to this. Um, you you want to give us feedback, you can reach out to us on, on social media. Uh, you can send us a, an email, info at allhabs.net, uh, or the Rocket Sports text line is always available 24 hours a day, 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. Text us a message uh, and tell us about your favorite Canadians' memories. Yeah, and I mean, if there's certainly a lot. As we said, there was a lot that happened in the calendar year of 2009 in that lead-up to the Centennial game. So, yeah, if there was anything that you want to say, uh, send us a message on the text line, send us on social media, whatever, uh, whichever way you'd like to do it. Because, yeah, there is certainly a lot that happened in that year. And then, of course, the playoff run in 2010. Just, yeah, send it along. We're the Canadians Connection Podcast. We'd love to connect with our listeners. And, uh, yeah, certainly feel free to send a text to 5853-ROCKET or on social media at Habs Connection, at Joela19, at All Habs, whichever way you like to go. Uh, but Rick, we also, as I touched on at the beginning, as you, you commented on my haircut, I want to say the mustache <laughs> is coming in very well, and so is uh, the funds for the Movember campaign that we have been doing, up to $280. That's great. Uh, and listen, we, we understand that this year is uh, a little bit different. Uh, it's a tough time yeah. for many people, uh, but we appreciate all those, uh, including our own team, uh, Amy and Chris and, and yourself, Joe, uh, who have contributed, um, um, Molly and, and Dino, uh, our, our listeners, and, and everyone who has, has uh, we have some anonymous donations, who has uh, uh, contributed to the Movember Fund. We've got a couple of days left. If you want to contribute, uh, goes right to the end of November. Um, if you want to contribute, go to uh, Movember.com and, and uh, type in, in the search All Habs and uh, you'll find the All Habs Hockey Magazine page right now at $280, and that's terrific. We're happy to pass that uh, amount on to uh, a very worthy charity. Absolutely, and yeah, it is very worthy, and uh, we're, we're happy to do that. But Rick, um, moving to uh, uh, our new cover art, because uh, it has been uh, a bit of an adjustment for for me and I shared it on my social media I shared the most the, the last week's podcast earlier this week I shared that on my social media and it was adjustment for me to see the new cover art because it looks it looks tremendous but it's different from what we're used to but just as a reminder to our listeners you search the Canadians Connection podcast it might look a little bit different but we're the same we're the same right. show <laughs> yeah and it's it's uh, we're very happy to get uh, new cover art done for both uh, the Canadians Connection uh, and the Press Zone, uh, and that cover art also uh, goes to the uh, Twitter and Facebook account and Instagram accounts associated uh, with the two podcasts. So uh, might look a little different. Still the same Canadians Connection. Still Joe and I. Well, Joe's a little different with his with his haircut, and, and he yeah. looks tremendous. I'm I'm looking like the <laughs> bum here with uh, who hasn't had a haircut since February, but uh, you look terrific and. Well, uh, 
and and I'm sure that if you pledge yeah. money um, to uh, to ask Joe to shave his beard, he'll probably do that too. I I, I probably would do that. But <laughs> here's the thing, though, is I haven't had a I didn't have a haircut until uh, since February. So wow. you Same know what's me, harder? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like and you say, you you sit there and you know it's uh, you have all the hair on you, but. It feels worse when you're at the barber and you feel all of that come down onto the floor around <laughs> you and you're just like, I'm sorry about this. This is this is dreadful. <laughs> so you, you got out the broom and you started sweeping I, yourself. Yeah, yeah. It, they, they asked if I would take it home. I said, of course, anything to help. Uh, I'll take that back home. But right. uh, Rick, you touched on the press zone and there's also some news uh, for listeners of the press zone contest winners. Uh, back to a couple of weeks ago, you had Ken Reed on the show. Ken Reed, uh, Sportsnet's Ken Reed, and and uh, and uh, prolific author, and he had authored the book One to Remember, his new book, One to Remember, stories from 39 members of the NHL's One Goal Club. Uh, the good folks at ECW Press had given a, us a couple of copies. Those copies are in the mail to our contest winners th- this week, uh, the subscribers that uh, listen to both the Press Zone and uh, Canadians Connection. Uh, you should be getting your, your books very, very soon. That's tremendous news, and that's going to be great. It's going to be great to get them just before uh, the holiday season arrives, uh, and uh, that'll be a welcome surprise, welcome a uh, bit of mail for those folks. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Rick, we will say our goodbyes for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Before we go, just want to urge if you have found us on any of your favorite podcast platforms and you've not hit the subscribe button, you hit that subscribe button. You don't have to worry about finding us again. We'll show up in your feed every week with a new episode of the Canadians Connection podcast. Also, hit that subscribe button for the press zone. Uh, yourself and Amy Johnson. Uh, doing tremendous work as well. Um, And you won't have to worry about missing an episode uh, anymore if you hit that subscribe button and share it with all your friends as well. Um, And yeah, that will be uh, tremendous. So Rick, we'll say goodbye again for another week. And once again, thank Anakin Slade for joining us in the second segment. Uh, And we'll be back next week to discuss all things Montreal Canadiens. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadiens Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.